Hello, chef, chefs, whoever's listening. Chief. Chief. Uh, first one in a while. Yeah. And um, it was good. It was good. It was good. I feel like we got right back into it. Did the uh, did the 2017 cast with Jason get lost to the void? I've still got it. It's on here. Okay. You know, so we're gonna get that up. Okay. Well, uh, it, it might be one of those things where it goes out of sequence. Right. <laughs> so we'll, we'll come back to it. Right. But I feel like we need to establish some footing once again. Yeah. You know, and let people know what to expect. Right. Moving forward. Yeah. Because, um, you know. Because we're messing with the format again. We're messing with it again. And I feel like this is, but I feel like this is good. Yeah. It's, it's just, we just have to stick with it, which is easier said than done, but also not that hard. So really we should be able to do it. Right. We should be able to. <laughs> and I, but you know what? It's fun because like, I, I like to learn things. Right. You know? And it's like, okay, well, we could just watch this movie. And it's like you look at, for those of you who don't know yet, we're going to be talking about Hell Comes to Frogtown starring Roddy Roddy Piper. Yeah. A lot of people who do videos um, or, or comment on movies like this, they don't really take the time to get to know anything about it besides they sit down and watch it and then they tell you, oh, this part was so stupid because, like, you could see when his mask started to slip off or something like that. Right. That's not what we're going for here. It's like, we want to give you some, some behind the scenes stories, you know? Yeah. And it's like, Bender got this really cool little segment about how James Cameron's connected to this weird movie that you would, you would never expect James Cameron to be connected to. But, uh, that's an interesting story coming up in this episode. And, um, you know, and a few other little knickknacks here and there, and some tangents about shopping at the mall and uh, and visiting bowling alleys and arcades, and you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna cut that stuff out. No, it's not like we have to stay on, on on topic all the time. It's no. like no, this this makes me think of this. Right now, we're gonna go over here for a minute, and we're gonna come back. So, um, hopefully, you like that because I liked it. I did too. So, um, so if you really, really like it a lot, you can, uh, you can check us out online as well as this podcast. Um, you can start by going to www.superdivorceme.com, which admittedly I haven't been to in a while. So what's, what's available on there for them? Anything cool? There you can check out all of our merchandise. Um, we've got a blog. Uh, where we've just recently posted a snippet of a wonderful, wonderful album review that we got by Iron Skullet. Oh, yeah. I almost forgot about that. We haven't mentioned that on the cast yet. Yeah, we, we got an amazing review, just like the most perfect review you could ask for. Um, like a guy that gets it. Yeah. Like we made this album and... It's like we made it for him. Yeah. It's, the way that he describes yeah. it in the review. And and he's huge within the uh, the synthwave community, which we don't fall into one hundred percent. So that's why I was I was a little I don't want to say hesitant, but I was um, curious as to how he would uh, receive it. Yeah. When I sent it to him, 
And uh, first, I just sent him uh, a request to have him check out our songs to see if he'd want to put them on his playlist because this guy has the definitive synthwave and synth pop playlist on Spotify. Like if you look up synthwave, um, his is the one with the most followers. It's like 40,000 people, right. which is huge for this genre. And, uh, and so everyone else is like, you know, maybe a thousand, two thousand, five hundred, one hundred. There are a lot of them on there, but his is by far the biggest. And, um, and so he took the time to check it out and he wrote back to us like almost immediately and was like, Hey, I like the songs. If you want me to review the album, I'll do it. And, uh, and we worked that out. And so he did. And it wasn't like, give us a favorable review. It was just like, he's reviewing it and you're going to get what you get. Yeah. And it turned out to be the best review I could have hoped for. Yeah. From anyone. Um, so like you said, he, he gets it. He just gets when you it. You read it. You read the whole thing. And it's just like this dude fucking completely understands everything we were trying to do. It's like everything we talked about with Josh. Yeah. Like that's what it reminds me of when I was mm-hmm. reading it. I was like, this is like everything we told him when he was asking us what we wanted to go for. Yeah. And, uh, and one thing that he, he talked about in the review was the fact that like a lot of these revival bands, like these eighties revival synthwave bands, it's like they're extracting the most, um, the most eighties elements out of eighties music and then making a super condensed version of eighties music. Mm -hmm. But if you go back and listen, it's like, that's not really exactly how eighties music sound because those bands were also influenced by bands from the seventies and the sixties. And and there was other stuff going on there. And so in ours, we, we let other influences shine through. It's not like we have to make this sound like it's, it's on, you know, the soundtrack to a new action movie that's trying to be set in the 1980s or something like that. (laughs) Right. It's like, we just made an album inspired by that sound and we let other stuff sort of bleed into it. And I think that's what separates it from, well, you said a lot of the synth wave that you listen to is, you know, boring, boring, stupid. Say. It's really dumb. <laughs> not to like, not to, to bash those artists, but it's like, if you're trying to make another Kavinsky album and you're not Kavinsky, like you, can't you, should, do it. you should be doing something different. Like let your own personality shine through a little bit. Yeah. But I mean, even like as, as cool as it is, I can, I only, I can only listen to like four Carpenter Brut songs before I just get bored. But that's just me. Well, I think it's, it's good for like certain things. Yeah. When you're like, actually synthwave is all, I ain't, tr- I'm not trying to talk shit. Synthwave to me is all like soundtrack music. Yeah, exactly. We don't make soundtrack music. No, that's why I think we're more synth pop yeah. than synth wave. But it's like when you're looking for people to put your music in front of, I feel like synthwave fans are going to be the ones who are most receptive to it. Yeah. But then you have to get over the hurdle of not sounding like a synthwave band. Right. And not turning those people off because then they wonder, well, why are there so many vocals, you know, because I want this to sound like another soundtrack and that's not what we do. No. So it's a tricky, 
thing to try and find our our audience but i think we're getting there you yeah. know so anyhow anyways long-winded yeah. way of saying that uh we've got uh, a, a blog up where you can <laughs> <laughs> where you can check out that review good part old, of it good old super divorce tangents yeah so you can check out part of that review and then go to iron skullets page and read the rest and uh, we do stuff like that and check out all of our merch you can listen to the album on our on our page you can follow this uh podcast there's a pa- uh a tab for the podcast there and uh yeah so it's it's a good website it's a good yeah. website uh you can also find us on facebook.com slash super divorce instagram at super divorce band twitter at super divorce uh you can find me on social media by going to instagram and typing in bender butt and uh there i am right there and you can also find us on youtube now at youtube.com slash super divorce haven't gotten to say that yet though it is demonetized because we don't have enough followers (laughs) (laughs) finally got that custom url don't have that money yet. yep so um get your friends to subscribe to our youtube page so we can start making money off the things we post there again yeah (laughs) <laughs> not that we were making much no anyways. no but dollar you know, here dollar there we will soon when we get that music video uh, yeah it's gonna be dope yeah um if you want to find nick on social media you just go to whatever website you feel like and type in at nicholas villars and uh see if he's there or not that's right um i think that about wraps up the intro so here is episode 91 right that's right. Yeah, episode 91 of the Super Divorce Supercast back uh, in live action. Hell comes to Frogtown. <laughs> Enjoy, chefs. We are not getting a divorce. We are not getting a divorce. Hello, everyone, and welcome to... Uh, the first episode in quite some time of the Super Divorce Supercast. It's been really too long, in my opinion. Quite a bit too long, but we had some, just some holdups. Some holdups, some, uh, some, uh, some things to do. Yep, things to do. We're still very busy. Yeah, we're still, still very, very busy. There's a lot of stuff that we kind of started working on that's now starting to happen. Um, a lot of wheels in motion. Yep, a lot of wheels in motion. We've got some shows coming up. We've got some some shoots coming up. And we've got, uh, yeah, well, that's what you're talking about, the shoots. Mm-hmm. The big video shoot. The big video shoot. And when we say big video shoot, we mean big fucking video shoot. Super big. It is a whole production a supersized super production that we should probably be paying uh at least a hundred thousand dollars for i would imagine but we're not paying a hundred thousand dollars for it it's we're, we're paying much less than that far less and it might it, it'll probably be the best music video you see in 2018 probably no joke more most most likely uh but yeah but it's definitely it's definitely good to be back Good to be back here on the Supercast. So, um, 
it's been a while, and uh, uh, we're going to uh, continue with our beer me tradition. Yeah. And Bender picked out this week's. Um, he wanted to try this nice red beer. Well, you picked it, and I approved it. Right. I, I kind of gave my my vote of confidence. We narrowed it pick. down to two, let's say. We did, yeah. And you said, I would like to try the red. I did. That was, yeah. So, that so is, it's, it's your call. Okay. It's on you. So, Not that I disagree with the decision. Right. Because I, <laughs> I think it looks good, and I like tasty red beers. Right. So... Um, we're going to give this a go. Uh, what are we looking at here today? So today we are drinking the Brewdog 5 a.m. Saint, a 21st century red ale. A beer and, for the uh, new millennium. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Is there a little descriptor? 5 a.m. Saint is five malts, 5% alcohol by volume, and five hops. Okay, it's six, but you get the idea. That's in parentheses. Uh, that's where order ends and chaos begins. Hints of berry mutating with aromas, marmalade clashing with hints of caramel, colliding with hints of chocolate, reacting with hints of spice, and combining with hints of biscuits. Biscuits. As malty as it is hoppy, as anarchic, anarchaic. Anarchic. Anarchic, really? Is that how it is? Yeah, that's how it is. As it is structured. 5 a.m. Saint. Bitterness and sweetness all neatly messed up in a Hadrian Collider of chaos. Born in Scotland. Brewed in the USA. I don't know what that means exactly. I guess maybe they came up with the idea for the recipe in Scotland. I suppose. Yeah. All right, so here we go. Brewdog. Oh, 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 oh. Cheers. cheers. It's pretty good. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's uh very mildly hoppy, but hoppier than beers I normally drink. Yes, but it's acceptable. Right. Right. As like like if if this is what IPAs tasted like, we would be drinking far more IPAs, you know. So this is like, yeah, a very acceptable level of hops, but not something I was expecting. I mean, I guess I don't really know what I was expecting because I don't drink reds very often. Um, I mean, I think it's a little more flavorful than uh, Killian's. Yeah, it's been a, it's really been a while since I had a Killian's. I think the last time I had Killian's was in a pitcher at Polking Lane <laughs> South. <laughs> uh, we just went over to um, the bowling alley in Mason on Tuesday. Which which one in Mason? Uh, I can't remember the name of it. It's um it's over by Nostalgia Inc. Really? Mm-hmm. It's like right behind it, actually. I mean, not like in that right. plaza, but like by like generally speaking, it's uh-huh. like it's on the road, kind of behind where nostalgia is. Like, like where the uh, post office is. Mm-hmm. Okay, and like School of Rock. It's right next door to School of Rock. Okay, 
Yeah, I I had no idea there like was a bowling you, alley. If there. you pull into School of Rock instead of going right, you go left, and there's a bowling alley. Huh. I'd never been there before. Yeah, and there were like two lanes open because there was like an old woman's league going on. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so that's what bowling alleys are now. They're just. I mean, I feel like they've always been that. Kind of been that. <laughs> I mean, though, I would say that it's not like you see. I feel like the majority of the time, it's always been old ladies and old men at bowling alleys. Yeah. But still, the young crowd would go there on the weekends. Right. And I don't think you see that much these days. People don't really hang out at the bowling alley. No. I mean, even uh, when I was in high school, you know, like freshman, eighth grade, stuff like that, uh, the bowling alley was definitely like a place to go yeah on on a friday or saturday you know it's not like you would go and like run into friends or anything it's like you would take a, a whole big group right you know like 10 of us would all be would all go to the bowling alley and we'd get two lanes and you know and we'd go together uh but yeah that's not something that comes up very often i used to have a circuit that me and my friend would do or like we'd his mom would drop us off at the mall at the Dayton Mall on Friday night, usually probably around five or six. And then we'd spend a few hours walking around there looking at girls that we were thinking about talking to but usually yep. didn't. Which is another thing that you do yep. as a teenage boy. At least you used to back in the day. I don't know if they do that anymore. Walk around kids and... walk around the mall looking at like... Oh, yeah. Well, I don't mean... I don't know about like... Well, I just assume that everybody's checking everybody out all the time. Yeah, but now it's like back then, if you wanted to talk to a girl, that's how you had to do it. Now yeah. with like apps and stuff, it might be like, you know, well, there's not really, if you feel at all nervous about it, you wouldn't have to push through it because you'd be like, no, I'll just get on Tinder later. Right. Or something like that. Yeah. No, I don't think it is very common that boys group together and walk around the mall contemplating whether or not they're going to talk to a girl. Because it usually wasn't just like you were going to talk to her. It's like you would go up. You're contemplating going and asking for her number usually. Right. And like that would be, I feel like, so taboo now. Be like, why do you want my phone number? I don't even know you. But back then, it's like That's that was kind of the it. first step to get to know someone. Right. It's like, okay, do these two people find each other mutually attractive enough to exchange phone numbers? Yeah. Yeah. And then if they did, then you might call and hope to like get a conversation going, and mm -hmm. and maybe you'll meet up the next weekend or something like that. Yeah, that doesn't happen these days, I don't think. No, I think everybody is very. Everyone's on high alert. Yeah, all the time about everything. Mm -hmm. So you don't get that anymore. But if you're limiting it to do boys and girls still get together in groups as of high schoolers and walk around the mall checking people out? I think that absolutely happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would assume so. <laughs> but there – well, what I was going to say is so we get done doing our stuff at the mall. Yeah. When the mall starts closing down, the, the gates come down halfway. Halfway, right. You know, at like 10 till 9. Yes. 
that was like the cue to like, okay, then we're going to walk over to Polking. Okay. And then we would walk across the mall parking lot over to Polking and do the same thing we did at the mall. See if there were any girls from like other schools <laughs> bowling, you know, or maybe some of our friends that had decided to go and then we'd hang out with them if we run into someone. Right. And then after spending a bit of time at the bowling alley and maybe playing a few arcade games, very rarely did we actually bowl. Really? Yeah. See, that seems very odd to me to go to a bowling alley and not bowl. Like it, It's not because I dislike bowling. Right. It was just like, it was like we usually weren't there long enough. It was just okay. like the spot we would hit for maybe 15 or 20 minutes and then we'd walk over to Danbury. Okay. And do the same thing (laughs) (laughs) and uh, see if there are any girls you wanted to talk to yeah maybe catch like a group of girls who were like without any guys you know Uh and then you could walk up and and hope to mac get your game on you know and and maybe you end up pay for their movie yeah go in with them and go in with them you guys want to watch a movie together or something like that you know or see people maybe another group loitering around the uh the arcade that they had back then i don't even know if it's still there it's probably it's like sparse one, yeah yeah there's like five games in it it's like that game with the the basketball you with the air in it and oh you slam that your thing fist was so it. fun though yeah i don't think they have that anymore but that was like the circuit right and then we get picked up and uh, go home that's that's fun yeah it's just, like i guess even the idea of going to a place like that just for the arcade like no matter how big or small like that's something that like i never uh growing up like there were arcades still in malls and stuff and so that was cool but like the arcade section at any place any place that wasn't already an arcade um felt like an afterthought you know what i mean usually yeah like Strangely, Max and Irma's used to have a pretty decent arcade. I don't think I've ever been to a Max and Irma's with an arcade. It was the one by the Dayton Mall. Uh, it was actually, it was like an upstairs section. Okay. And I may have been there once. Yeah. I didn't go there very often, but the few times I did, they I remember them having the, uh, the Simpsons game. Uh-huh. And I think they had the Turtles game and maybe mm-hmm. the X-Men too. It was like, there's some good stuff there. Right. Just at a Max and Irma's, which right. was kind of strange, but I just thought yeah. the uh, the Dayton Mall arcade was always really good. Um, I do remember a time when Danbury Cinemas Middletown, the snack bar was in the center of the lobby, and it was circular. Okay, and so you had lines like all around this circular uh, snack bar, and then. Um, before they built like the birthday room, I don't know how long it's been since you've been to Danbury Middletown, but they have like a birthday room now, but before they built that, the wall kind of like, you know, the, the lobby extended to the wall and then it kind of went back into this like outcropping almost and back in there. And then also out along the wall was like the arcade. And I remember it being like, they had cabinets lining the wall and then also an island of cabinets like back to back in the middle so you could really walk this like u-shaped line of cabinets uh and it was i remember it being pretty cool like i always came out of the movie and wanted to go to the arcade yeah and then eventually they like walled that off 
moved the uh, snack bar to a, you know, just a, like a straight line along the wall that they that that they had just walled off the arcade in and they put the arcade in like this small little alcove by the front door and for a while it was still pretty okay and then i think just they just like the games started to malfunction and they replaced the shooting games with prize games and yeah that's and the worst the, yeah then it's just not you know it's not worth it anymore when you swap out like rush 2049 for like one of those stupid motorcycle games or like ATV racing games. Yeah. Like that's how you know, or cruising USA. Like when you swap cruising USA out for a lesser racing game or stupid redemption games, uh huh. where it's like, stop the light. Yes. At the right spot and uh-huh. win a, an iPod, yeah. you know, and it's like $5 to try or right. some shit. Just like, it's too much. Yeah. That's, that's very sad. Mm hmm. But, so, since we're at the movies, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look at this professionals segueing in without yeah. effort. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about a film today that I had never heard of until like a week ago, and it's called "Hell Comes to Frogtown." Yes. Starring Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yep. And I think I was like I knew that Piper had done a few other movies, but uh-huh. I didn't know he did anything like in the realm of they live right in the eighties. I knew he did like some action movies in the nineties that I've never seen, but this is like straight up cult classic that I'm really surprised doesn't have a bigger following. And I'm yeah. surprised I'd never heard of it until I was looking up Rowdy Roddy Piper's IMDB page. Uh huh. I, I feel like I've had a brush with Hell Comes to Frogtown before. Like, when you mentioned it, I wasn't, like, 100%. Oh, I've never, ever heard of that once before, you know? But I don't think I ever realized that, like, Piper was in it. Uh, I had never really given it any thought. I think the the name is unique enough yeah. that I'd probably heard it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I recognized it when you mentioned it. But I was delighted when you sent me the trailer. I was delighted to find out that Piper was in it because I thought the only movie he was ever in was They Live. I was like, "Yep, that's cool." Like wrestling star comes becomes actor for one movie. Yeah. Well, the uh, the name is a play on his character's name, Sam Hell. Sam Hell. <laughs> what in Sam Hell? <laughs> as soon as I saw that at the beginning of the movie, I was like, "Perfect, I'm yeah. into it." I'm so into this movie. Yeah, so if you've never if you've never heard of it before, it's kind of like um it's like a really low budget version of Mad Max with uh quite a bit more quirkiness and comedy thrown in. Yeah. But it's like the same type of deal, post-apocalyptic 80s version of the post-apocalyptic world uh after like a nuclear holocaust. Yeah. And uh, let's see. It's like um, supposed to take place in the late 20th century, 10 years after the nuclear holocaust that wiped out a lot of humanity. Yeah. And um, what is it? It's like uh, the male population has been reduced to about 68% of what it was. Uh-huh. And then and uh, most of them are infertile. Yeah. And so are most of the women. Right. 
So there's this group called MedTech that seems to be run by mostly, mostly women. women. And their job is to find fertile men and put them with the fertile women to try and repopulate. Right. And they want to repopulate because they want to they want to you know they want to repopulate the earth, but they also want to outpopulate the frog people. The greenards. The greenards. Is they're called yeah. by some. I guess it's like one of the slurs that they called the right. the mutant people who are apparently created as a result of the nuclear war. And so they don't ever really say if they're people who have mutated into frogs or frogs who have mutated into people. Yeah, that's kind of left up to you to decide. <laughs> <laughs> you get a headcanon that one. Though they might have covered that in one of the two sequels they made. Right, Max Hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there was another one after that. Max Hell 2. Something. Frog Fighter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think I wrote it down. Wasn't Maybe. it like the Toad Warrior? Yeah, t- the Toad Warrior was one. Max Hell Frog Warrior was was one. And then uh, there was a second Max Hell movie. So... But, but Piper did not come back. No. And and those movies, uh, it's worth mentioning, were directed by the director of Hell Comes to Frogtown, uh, Donald G. Jackson. Um, but the movie, the original, was written by Randall Frakes. Mm-hmm. And uh, he did not have anything to do with any of the sequels. Yeah. That was like his... That was his big moment, it yeah. seems. <laughs> yeah. Randall Randall Frakes did the original Frogtown. Uh, he wrote wrote the movie and wrote the screenplay. Like, came up with the movie and wrote the screenplay for it. Yeah. Um, but there was also a... Uh, I guess it's worth mentioning. I have... My notes are scattered. It's ridiculous. But uh, it's worth mentioning that there were... That Donald Jackson was co-director with uh rj kaiser there were they were like mm, yeah. co-directors and i have a story about that that we can get to okay whenever cool so um yeah so if you're interested in the uh the story of this movie so we've kind of set you up with like just the background of the world that that we find right when we when we come into this and so the movie starts off with uh with piper being held captive it seems by med tech and uh, he's being, looks like he's interrogated or something by uh, this gentleman. Was this uh, Captain Devlin, I believe. Captain Devlin. He's played by it. William Smith. I have something about him real quick. Captain Devlin? Yeah, the guy who played Captain Devlin. Uh-huh. William Smith. Also, uh, I believe, also referred to in the movie as Count Sodom. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, that dude... Was born in 1933 and got his first acting gig in 1942's *The Ghost of Frankenstein*, starring Lon Chaney Jr. Wow. Um, which uh, in that movie he played an uncredited village boy. Oh yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, another interesting thing about that movie is uh, it was the last Universal Frankenstein standalone film. Which uh, which one was that? The Ghost of Frankenstein. Ghost of Frankenstein. Yep, with Lon Chaney Jr. as uh, Frankenstein's monster. That was the you said that was the last Universal Frankenstein or the last Universal monster movie. 
It was the last time that Frankenstein was featured in that run of classic Universal okay. monster films right. in his own standalone film. Okay. So like he appeared in other ones, but they were like a lot of the crossovers right. and stuff. Frankenstein versus the mummy mm-hmm. and all that kind of jazz. Yeah. It was the last time he had his own movie. The Ghost of Frankenstein. Nineteen forty two. And on set, Lon Chaney Jr. would uh, often treat child cast members to ice cream. Oh, really? So this this gentleman in uh, in Frogtown probably was once treated ice cream by Lon Chaney Jr. <laughs> so there's a little piece of u- useless information that you can take with you wherever you go. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, uh, so the movie starts with yeah, Piper is in captivity by, I guess by MedPass. You're not. Or med, uh, med, med tech, tech. med yeah. pass, med tech, med tech. I kind of got the impression it wasn't that that uh, Captain Devlin didn't work for med tech, but I guess he does, right? Just because they come in, but when they when the when the two ladies bust in, they're like he's property of med tech now, but right. I guess it's neither here nor there, really. There uh, was there was some sort of. Uh some deal with him and and that guy's daughter Devlin's yeah, daughter yeah sam hell had uh basically like whether it was oh so he he had he had sexually assaulted Devlin's, supposedly supposedly devlin's daughter and devlin was going to kill him for it and then uh these this, and he was also his daughter was pregnant with piper's kid Right, and but that's when when they find out that she's pregnant, she changes her story, and she's yeah. like, "Oh no, he didn't assault me." Right, I it's everything's fine. I I wanted this, uh, because pregnancy is is a goal yeah. for people. Right, and it's it's few and far between. So uh, out of this, MedTech comes in, and basically, Piper is not only fertile. Uh, he's like hella fertile. He's like the Anakin Skywalker yeah. of this world. Right. As far as his spermatozoan count yeah. goes. It's like <laughs> off the charts. He's got so many midichlorians, he yeah. can't even handle it. Uh, so They know that whoever he has sex with is going to be like instantly pregnant. So he's a hot commodity. Right, if they're fertile, if the female is fertile, he's going to get them pregnant. Yeah. Uh, so they basically... Make him sign a contract, or they have him sign a contract, uh, because he's got some charges, as as all wasteland people do. <laughs> he's got some charges that he needs dropped, so they're like, we'll drop all these charges, but you have to work for us, and work for us basically means he has to go around banging as many fertile girls as he can. Right. That's so, about it. That's... And also, go into Frogtown and rescue these like six fertile girls. Because they're they're few and far between too, right? So because like, right, any that you can find, you gotta you gotta get a hold of them. Yeah, and they can't be taken by Frogtown. No, that's no good. No, you don't want them in Frogtown. You want them in Roddy Piper's bed. Yeah, um, Piper also before they go out on their journey is uh, fitted with some custom metal undies <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and and with a flap. They have with a, a flap. flap. There's a flap so that he can urinate and also have sex. Right. So they cover that. Uh-huh. They um, do. That's exactly what it's for. And the belt is, like, supposed to monitor his, like, 
sexual <laughs> desire level, whatever it is, his and testosterone, also, and also kind of like uh, act as a shock collar of sorts. If he gets too far away from the group that that is leading him and the people from MedTech, then it, it will like sting him, right? And, and uh, uh, then they say it will explode if he if he goes. Yeah, they say it's wired to blow if he goes too far, right? And uh, the group that he is following is. Uh, a woman by the name of Spangle, mm-hmm. who is played by Sandal Bergman, and uh, their like bodyguard, basically their their warrior woman, Sentinella, played by Sec Varel. Bergman was in uh, two Conan movies. Really? Actually, yeah, she was in Conan the Barbarian uh-huh. and also uh, Red Sonia. Okay. So did she play Red Sonia? No, she played. Um, she played. Hold on, I got it here. Give me one second. <laughs> uh, Queen Gedrin. Okay. Yeah, in Red Sonia. Yeah. And Valeria in Conan the Barbarian. So, uh, yeah, she's one of those chicks. She mm-hmm. looks. She's got that like. I think she's more attractive than uh, Bridget Nielsen, who's yes. also. In, but yeah, that kind of. Um, barbarian era. Yeah, blonde just, lady. Yeah, you know, just very, just very fit in like eighties. I don't know. Fit as a I fiddle. Mean, yeah, you know. Yeah. Eventually, once you once you get her out of the doctor's clothing, you know the the lab coat, and she's got yeah. the tattered rags and the black like bra and the headband and the collar around her neck it's very very wasteland chic yeah you know but that's wasteland chic yeah but you're like oh yes yes you are attractive as that yep so they got to go in they got to go into frogton (laughs) (laughs) yeah and uh and on their way they they run into a, a young lady who's escaped yes one of the fertile lasses from uh, Frogtown has yeah. escaped, and which like if she can escape, how like none of the other ones wanted to try, like I feel like it's a little it was a little too easy for her to escape. I mean, I guess that happens in movies all the time. Like one of them gets out, and like, yeah. you gotta save the others. Yeah, but. It's like they didn't have to... She was just running. They didn't have to fight off any frogs or anything for her. Yeah, they didn't have like, to save her. She was just... Running. It seems like she got away and they didn't bother looking for exactly. her. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Which is how. Which is what I mean by it seemed a little easy. Like Maybe what? no one had checked the manifest at Frogtown <laughs> that day. So <laughs> they didn't realize she was... No, gone. we're down a concubine! <laughs> So she escapes, and when she uh, is met by the group, including Piper, um, you know she's in pretty rough shape, pretty traumatized. That's the exact word they use. Yeah, she's no good to us if she's traumatized. Right. So they have to give her like some horny medicine (laughs) to calm her down, and also make her horny. Yeah. Yeah. Make her want to have relations with Piper, and I will say Piper is not really into it at first. No, it's... He's put off by it. Yeah. He's like, when's the last time she brushed her teeth? 
And then he says she's not really his type. Yeah. And how can he be with somebody that he doesn't even know? Right. How can he be with a stranger and all this stuff? And then... Uh, he seems rather uncomfortable. Yeah. He shows a bit of chivalry in the moment where it's like he's not the type of guy who just wants to get in there no matter what. No. He seems to be a little ill at ease with uh, the proposition. Yeah. But... But he's under contract. And, and uh, what's her name? Spangle. Spangle. She kind of warms him up a little bit. Yeah, she gives him a little strip tease. She gets him going. Because she's trained in the erotic arts, she says. Yeah. So she seduces him to get him ready. To to bang this uh, runaway chick. Much like she gave the, the girl a shot. She had to do a yeah. little something to piper to mm -hmm. get him going a shot to the heart if yeah. you know <laughs> so she's to blame <laughs> yeah yeah so they they go ahead and do their thing and this is sweet you know when they wake up in the morning they're kind of cuddling and yeah and spangle asks uh what's her name scintilla sentinella sentinella yeah sentinella she asks her if, if uh sentinella had cleaned the young lady and, and sentinella says no yeah so that leads piper. you to believe that piper did it piper had his well had his way had his way with her but then cleaned her up afterwards because she was a mess from right. being on the run so he he took care of her yeah he didn't just hit it and quit it and <laughs> go back to his tent he, right. he stayed he snuggled right they're asleep when everyone else wakes mm -hmm. up and then she seems very happy when she leaves. I was a little like, not, I don't know. It was just kind of like silly to me that she comes, you know, she comes to them the night before and she's just like frantic and she can't talk and she's going crazy. And then she gets injected with the horny meds. And then the next morning she's just like, man, what a great evening. Like we should do that again sometime. Like, <laughs> where am I going to go now? Ha ha ha. Like just, Everything's fine. You know, she's got new clothes. She looks pretty. Like, I mean, I guess Roddy cleaned her up, you know. S Sam I, cleans her up, but still. I guess you can't underestimate what one night with Piper's going to do for <laughs> you, you know, for your mental health. Yeah, I guess not. So, it's, you know. But they, uh, so they, she's all cleaned up and ready to go, and they're, like, pretty sure she's pregnant. Uh, so they tell her. They don't even keep her with them. No, they, they tell just her send her on her way to continue running south for a few days, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then Med Med Tech will pick up her signal. I don't know how she. Oh, because they the put border. A, they, yeah, they put a bracelet on her. Yeah, and there are some border guards that they passed they, on the way yeah, into Frogtown. So, so they she, say they say uh, you know head south for a few days, and Med Tech will pick up your signal, and you'll be rescued, mm -hmm. and. Uh, You'll be treated like a queen because you're pregnant, basically is is what they is what they tell her. And then they uh, they continue on to Frogtown. Yeah. So I feel like if it was a video game, you definitely would have had to escort her back to, to the, the medtech base. Yeah. Well, yeah, to the border at least, mm -hmm. where the border guards could then take her back to medtech. Yeah. You wouldn't just be like, I know you escaped from Frogtown, good job, but now if you can just run several days that way, yeah. you'll be fine. Right. Like, but I think that it's a wasteland. I think it reinforces like how silly it was that she escaped in the first place because nobody went after her. Yeah. They didn't fight anybody. And then even still, like 
when they get to Frogtown, there was no sort of indication that they were looking for a runaway. Yeah. They were just like, well, we got five now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, another interesting thing is there's no, uh, it doesn't seem like there's the presence of any other bandits roaming the land. It's like, no, because no. that's something you would worry about. Yeah. Sending a girl on her way. Well, they kind of hinted that again at the beginning, in the very, very beginning, when uh, the the black guy, you know, kind of knocks over the the greener. Yeah. And uh, this is a very short segment at the beginning. Yeah, of the movie. extremely. It's sort of just an introduction. Yeah. And uh, then he gets shot. So you kind of assume that there's people wandering the wasteland, but they are never seen. Nothing. Do you know, do you know what that guy was billed as? At, at no, the credits? I don't. The poor doofus. Oh, really? The that... guy who, the first guy who gets killed. Yeah, yeah. I saw that in the uh, in the credits, but I didn't. Uh, I didn't realize that's that's what what the character was. When I was yeah. looking at IMDb, I saw that. Yeah, the poor doofus is the guy who gets killed at the very beginning. Poor doofus. Yeah. So they uh, they got to go on into Frog Town after this. After they send the uh, the young lady on her way and. Um, and they decide that the best way to do this is for Spangle to become Sam's slave. Yeah. Which I'm not really sure where, like why. Well, he's going to take her in and try to and sell offer, her. Yeah, offer a sale. How do they so know she's, I guess, well, I guess they'd, they'd kidnapped Fertile or yeah. women. So he's just kind of like, hey, got another one for you kind right. of deal. Yeah. Only just, you're not allowed to do that in Frogtown. No, you're not allowed you find to, that out. to sell yeah. uh, wenches, as is the term they use through the whole movie. Yeah. Wenches. Captain, or uh, sorry, Commander Toady won't allow it. Right. Uh, even though, you know, Leroy is the one trying to buy from, from Sam. Right. Leroy is a frog, by the way. <laughs> a frog person. Um, I felt like, I felt like the whole movie, I mean, you know, it was, this was the first movie that Randall Frakes had written, Mm -hmm. right? Like this is his debut movie. He had worked on, uh, a smaller, a short film before called, uh, I believe it was called Exogenesis, something like that. Um, he'd worked on that before, but like this was his like big... First, mm-hmm. first outing. So, it's understandable that like certain things are kind of left out. But I felt like throughout the movie there was not a lot of like transition explanation. Yeah, yeah. it's just sort of like it was edited kind of the way that Man of Steel was. Yeah, where it was just like a scene's over and now you've jumped to another place and time halfway through a scene yeah and you're just sort of picking up yeah uh they never explain it's like prior to prior to them arriving at Frogtown and getting out of the car and spangle taking off her clothes to already be dressed as a slave and then asking piper to like put handcuffs on her there's prior to that there's no explanation of like why she's doing it like they all they could have done is added a scene in the car with them being like okay so here's the plan right 
and then it would have made sense. But it's not until like, I, I don't even know until she's already like halfway through the action mm-hmm. that they're like, this is the plan. Remember? Yeah. And it's like, no, I no. don't remember. The viewer doesn't remember. No, I guess Piper does. Yeah. So you just kind of have to follow along. But that, that was kind of like, yeah, throughout the whole movie, which again, it's fine. Yeah. It's not a perfect movie. It's an eighties movie for God's sake. Low budget. Super low budget. Actually. So the effects were decent. I mean like the, the frog effects I would say are, are pretty, yeah. pretty good. They're better than I thought they would be. Yeah. To be honest with you. And when they walked into the bar where he's going to sell um, Spangle, uh-huh. it reminded me a lot of the cantina. Thank you. I was going to say the same, same thing? exact thing. Yep. yep. It was the cantina from Star Wars for sure. I mean, they even had like a couple shots of like, you know, different frogs like in different areas with like different drinks or eating food or yeah. something. I absolutely thought the cantina as soon as they walked in. Piper walks up and orders a drink, and it turns out to be, like, industrial waste. Yeah. So that's apparently what the frog people drink. Apparently. Apparently they just drink waste. Until he's seated at the table with Leroy. Yeah. uh, Trying to sell Spangle, and uh, they give him beer that is only mildly radioactive. Right. (laughs) Uh, But before that, while while at the bar, they run into Looney Toonie. Yeah. Lonnie Looney Tunes O'Toole. Who is a character that uh, Sam Hell has a past with, although it's never talked about. No. Never mentioned. There's no reason for, like, this character to... For There's no reason for them to know each other, but they do. And you just have to go with it, pretty much. And, uh, and then Sam goes to talk to Leroy, mm-hmm. and he gets his beer. You Leroy. know what the beer was? No, I... It has some significance to our past. I was... When I was watching this, I was watching it with, uh, you know, like, it's upstairs, and the window causes glare, and oh, then okay. the YouTube quality, yeah. you know, was not the greatest. So I did not see the detail of the beer. The slightly irradiated beer was um Coors original oh yeah yeah that's cool so if you're uh, a fan of sleep star ignition we had some calls to Coors original and we had a lot of Coors original at the ep release party for <laughs> album. i love what you've done with the place yeah, we had unlimited beer unlimited beer that we that night we did have unlimited beer and people like weren't taking advantage of it. No, that's like the craziest thing about I that. Know. Is like people would have a few. Like we had a, and I feel like most people who came bought the wristband where you get unlimited, unlimited beer. beer. Like you could buy one by one, but we offered like what was it? It was fifteen dollars or something like that, and you got a copy of the album and unlimited beer for the night. Yeah, we had like two of those huge like industrial 64 gallon trash cans yeah just filled with Coors original no joke it was filled to the brim and it was a great night and we left with two trash cans (laughs) filled to the brim with Coors original i was drinking Coors original out of those for a long time yeah you were i don't we all were yeah i don't think i finished all of them either 
It was just like too many. Yeah, we probably ended up throwing beers away. Pro- I think I did because it was like, it was the, I'm pretty sure it was like the end of the summer and there was still some left in there. Yeah. But they had been outside and like the weather and the temperature changes. And <laughs> it just like got too much. It got to a point where it's like I was trying them and at first it was fine. But by the end of the summer, they were just like totally skunked out. Just right. like undrinkable. <laughs> right. <laughs> Man, that that show though, yeah, it's a good show. That was a good it's show. Good time. All I I miss the Legion. I do too. We've never. I don't feel like the last one, the turnout wasn't as good, but it was still it was a lot of fun. Yeah, we did like the, uh, the like we had, I think Abertooth interrupt dynamite set or something yeah call them out or something yeah like that. <laughs> just we did the wrestling stuff yeah. yeah i remember making a pile of chairs in the uh-huh. middle and and like elbow dropping it and yeah doing other insane insanity just, and it was just it's, uh, why don't we need to have a show at the legion we should maybe we can do another one yeah it's gonna it'll have to be a big extravaganza though so we'll have to figure something out we'll have to find some cool people to play yeah. We could make it a dance party. We need That'd to get like we need to get like DJs. We need to hire DJs, not bands. Or find like amateur DJs or something. You think so? Maybe. Maybe like DJs in between performances. We've done that before. We yeah. did those book readings. Mm-hmm. You know, so we have a DJ station yeah. set up and uh and in betwixt <laughs> the the sets yeah you know we have djs get on and play and you know whatever or we fucking dj ourselves but we just need music constantly lights you know smoke machine balloons dance party lights smoke machine balloons dance dance party party. (laughs) (laughs) maybe that's the next album title (laughs) 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 Uh, it wouldn't be an easy one to tell people about what's your next album called lights Lights, smoke Smoke machine Machine, balloons dance Dance party Party. (laughs) by super divorce (laughs) yeah so um yeah to to continue going through this movie here um what do we what do we got then? We left off with Leroy. Yeah, so basically He offers thirty lilies yeah. for Spangle. Which I guess is what their currency is. Lilies, like lily pads. I guess. I, uh, again, one of those things where they establish that like the the frog people deal in a completely different currency than like humans. But their currency is acceptable to humans because Piper's like, no, I a little bit higher than that, like 50 yeah. at least. So then um, they are interrupted by <laughs> Bullfrog, <laughs> <laughs> played by Nicholas Wirth. Uh, so Bull comes in out of nowhere, and he's like Commander Toadie's left-hand, right-hand man. He's yeah. both hands, really. Yeah. Uh, he's his right-hand man. And he comes in and takes Spangle. Just because kinda... there are no private deals to be made right. in Frogtown. It all has to go through Toadie. Yeah, and so then he uh, 
starts the bidding. He says she's up for auction to the bar. So he starts the bidding at five lilies. And nobody wants to pay five lilies for her. So uh, Bull decides he's going to pay five lilies. And Piper, Sam, gets up to tell him that's not enough. And uh, I guess he meant a five lily punch because he just punches <laughs> Sam in the stomach and knocks him out. Yeah. Completely. Yep. And then Sam wakes up with Arabella. Yeah. In a new room. The stripper frog. Who, um, ironically, for all of the, the women they feature in this movie, uh-huh. she's uh, Arabella, you know, as Bender said, is a frog woman. Yeah. So, you know. A wench. A wench. <laughs> she's an exotic dancer. And um, she's an exotic dancer, frog woman, and... You know, obviously pretty hideous by human standards. Yeah. But she's played by Christy Summers, who um, is actually really attractive in real life. Yeah. She was in a movie called Hard Bodies. I don't know if you're familiar with that. <laughs> I'm not familiar another, with Hard Bodies. It's another 80s classic. But it's, uh, yeah, girls at the beach type of thing. Okay. You know. Precursor but, to Baywatch? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they're lifeguards, though. Just they're just hot girls. There's the hot beach. girls at the beach <laughs> who end up. Are they play volleyball or anything. No, but there's a lot of nudity. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's one of those. It's so, not a porn. Okay. It's like one of those like '80s, just like a lot of topless girls, right? And and dudes trying to get with them and such, right? You know, so next week on the Super Divorce Supercast, <laughs> we'll be talking about hard bodies. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I wouldn't be against it. So, um, but it's it's weird because, you know, they've got this emphasis on all of these attractive women. Yeah. Or they, they at least want the women who are, like, being rescued to be attractive. And they've got this really attractive lady who was already in this, this movie that was pretty big for its time, mm-hmm. you know. And they put her in this makeup to look her un- make her look unrecognizable. Yeah. So that seems like a strange choice, you know, like one of those just like from a marketing standpoint, you might have put her in a role where people would actually see her and be like, oh, I recognize her from from hard bodies. She's that hot chick who was in that as opposed to like putting her in green makeup and and just it could have been anyone. Well, I know from the little bit of research that I did that uh, the production company uh, New World uh didn't really give a fuck <laughs> <laughs> they they could care less you know um cuz you mentioned like marketing and and getting having a name for the movie and whatnot um so this kind of uh puts us put i, I have a story just a little bit of uh, some some factoids a little but uh the movie so the movie was written, we, we've established, by Randall Frakes, who is good friends with James Cameron. Really? Yeah. Like... Like now? Or uh, just was? Like, they, like, went into the movie business together. Oh. Like, they started together. Okay. And, like, like Randall Frakes taught James Cameron how to write scripts. Really? Yeah. 
they met in college. Um, they were introduced by Randall's girlfriend at the time. Uh, and though he broke up with the girl mere months later, uh, he and James remained friends. Randall worked on uh, Terminator, and he also worked on Alien. Just like he was part of the production. Um, he also did uh, visual effects on Battle Beyond the Stars, which was the first movie that he and Cameron like worked on together. Battle Beyond the Stars. Yeah. Have you ever seen that? No. Do you know anything about it? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was basically like they... So they did... Uh, exogenesis together which was like the precursor to hell comes to Frogtown, right like cameron and and frakes did it together and then they used that uh to basically like get jobs working on movies so based on what they had done with this short film it was 15 minutes long they were at one point offered the job to animate the Pillsbury Doughboy, but they said no because they wanted to work on movies. Yeah. So soon after that, they were offered um, like caught like uh, animation jobs on Battle Beyond the Stars. Okay. So soon after working, after starting to work on that, James Cameron became like the head of the entire like art department like it's it's pretty obvious like reading the story i was reading an interview with freaks it's pretty obvious that like he met cameron recognized that he was like very talented basically taught him how to write scripts cameron picked it up immediately and he basically was like dude you need to direct because like you have a lot going on and Cameron was just kind of like I don't know maybe yeah and although Frakes just wanted to write like that's all he gave a fuck about is he just wanted to write movies can you imagine an alternate timeline where for the past 30 years James Cameron had just been making Pillsbury Doughboy commercials (laughs) 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 I (laughs) no it's it's I, I wonder, like, imagine if he would have funneled all of that creativity into the Pillsbury Doughboy over the years. Yeah. Do you well, think the Pillsbury Doughboy would be like a like a multi-billion-dollar icon at this point? Like people would be wearing Doughboy shirts constantly, and yeah, be, but not know. in the funny way because right, I'm sure right. they have them. No, yeah. But like, maybe it would have turned into an empire. Like he would have gone to the people at Pillsbury and be like, you know, we've got something. What if we made a movie? We've got some Pillsbury Doughboy. Like people want to know what he's all about. How did he come to be? Let's tell his story. Yeah. Maybe. I think they would have told his story. (laughs) Probably. Eventually. Cameron would have eventually directed the story of the Pillsbury Doughboy. I think Cameron needs to scrap everything else (laughs) he's got on his plate. Go back to his roots (laughs) and be like, you know what? I'm sorry. I turned you guys down. Yeah. Let's do this. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. uh, So basically like. Yeah. After that. um, They. But so they did that. They took those jobs. Literally just to get their foot in the door. That was it. 
It's like, we just want to work on movies. So basically, you take whatever you can get. I mean, at one point, uh, Frakes was acting as a cinematographer. And he was like, I hate this, but I'm doing it because eventually this is going to get me somewhere. So anyways, Cameron obviously went on to become James Cameron. What's that? Who's he? James Cameron, <laughs> Uh But, you know, Frakes was just doing whatever. So Frakes was gearing up to do Hell Comes to Frogtown, right? Yeah. And he writes it and creates it and writes it. He gets Donald Jackson to like be the director or whatever. Uh, and I think I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a lot of like how it, what led to where I'm going to talk now. But anyways, um, at one point the, they're, they're having a meeting with the new world president. Okay. Which sounds way cooler than (laughs) new world production (laughs) company president, (laughs) the new world president. The president of New World, uh, Robert Rame. Okay. And so they like go into his office and Hell Comes Frogtown was originally supposed to be a VHS release, like oh. a straight to VHS release. Yeah. Its budget was like $300,000 for the whole movie, right? Okay. And so uh, they they go into the office and uh, the president's like, okay, I have like good news and bad news. Like the bad news is... Um, we're basically like we're just gonna like pay to play like they uh needed to sign contracts over basically just like relinquishing creative rights and they had to sell out yeah basically and that's where uh rj uh kaiser was attached as like co-director and they attached a co-producer because uh freaks was um written in as producer so they had a co-producer and shit, and they they lost all like creativity, you know, creative, uh, creative liberty, license, creative license, creative liberty, yeah, all yeah. that, all that. Uh, but the good news is they were going to show it in a thousand theaters across the country. They were going to up the budget uh, ten times, and then uh, Frakes and Jackson were going to walk away with like a hundred thousand dollar paycheck for doing the movie, right? So my point for this whole big story uh, and why New World didn't give a fuck who was doing what, um, when they lost their creative freedom, there was, you know, like this, this interview that I was reading, the guy was like, well, did you, is there anything different? Like what, you know, what changed or what did that mean for the movie? And uh, there was an original scene, an opening scene, where Sam Hell is being chased by Medtech, and he gets caught. And so, included in this scene, they had designed and built a motorcycle that had, like, a roll cage on it. Yeah. So that, like, no matter what happened, the motorcycle would, like, always land on its two wheels, right? So they were going to use this motorcycle in this opening chase scene to catch Sam hell and new world was like, nah, we don't, we don't (laughs) want to do that. That sounds dumb and it's way over budget. So James Cameron, who at this point had made, uh, I believe at least aliens. Had he done a, he did abyss too, didn't he? Yeah, he did abyss. Yeah. Uh, he, James Cameron had a name. Yeah. Okay. At this point he was like, a, a, a name. Yeah. James Cameron offered New World 
$100,000 to invest into Hell Comes to Frogtown so that they can increase their budget and film this opening chase scene that his friend Robert wanted to shoot with this cool-ass motorcycle that they had designed. <laughs> and then he also said he would appear in the film like as a recognizable face. And New World was just like, no, nah, we don't need your money. <laughs> what? <laughs> and they didn't do it. They were just like, nope. We're not gonna. We don't. We don't want to put that much effort into it. Wow. So yeah. Point is, this whole uh, you know Christy Summers in frog makeup. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they didn't, they don't give two fucks about Christy Summers, and they sure as goddamn hell don't give two fucks about James Cameron. Who the fuck are you? Yeah. Wow. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Jesus. So it could have been much bigger. It could have been bigger. Much, much bigger. It, it could have been a much bigger production, um, but New World was just like, no, not into it. I mean, maybe I said earlier, you know, that it was a little mysterious to me that this is not a bigger movie, that more people don't know about it. It's yeah. Like, I you mean, know, you know, the the creature effects, the frog mutants, yeah. were created by Steve Wang, who also worked on uh, The Predator. Yeah. And um, the Gill Man from Monster Squad. Right. So, like, well, that's what I was saying is is the effects are pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I was for impressed. For a movie of this caliber. Right. You know, especially. So, it's like, for, I think on one of the trailers that I saw before I watched the movie, it looked pretty cheesy. And it is. I mean, it's a cheesy film. But, yeah. But when I watched the movie in context everything looked a lot better than I thought it was going to. Mm -hmm. You know, it seems like if perhaps the company behind the entire production would have been more into it, that it could have been something. Yeah. You know, but I don't know. That's, that's strange that you wouldn't want to maximize your, your potential there, you know, especially after you're like, yo, I'm going to, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna make this a straight to VHS release anymore. Like we're gonna up your budget and show it in theaters. Yeah, you go through that. But we're also not gonna give a shit about having any kind of star power in here. Although New World did push for Piper to be in it. Piper was not the original choice for the role. It was uh, Frakes had written the role for somebody more witty. And, and sort of more fast talking. He almost like a comedian. He had mm. written it as like a comedic role, although action star. But I think Piper toes that line pretty well. Yeah. I think and, it's really unfortunate that he didn't get more movies because yeah. what he did do, he like did as well as anyone could have. Right. And, and he, you know, and that's because like, you know, at first Frakes was not excited that Piper was going to be part of this production um, because he really had just a different vision for uh, the role of Sam. But, you know, he said to Piper's credit, uh, Piper really worked hard and he took acting classes and he worked with the directors to get the, the performance that they were looking for. Yeah. You know, and he, he said he ended up enjoying Piper more than more than he thought he would. Well, if you watch his stuff from 
the WWF in the 80s and 90s when he was there. He was like, I feel like he was always one of the more believable guys. Yeah. You know, he's just got, he gets really into his character. Mm-hmm. And I think he does the same in movies. But as we had talked about this briefly earlier, I think that Sam Hell showcases a little more of the Piper that you saw in WWF <laughs> than They Live does. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. Because his character in They Live is more stoic. Right. You know, and, and pretty serious. And he is a bit more spastic and, and kind of off the rails in uh, in frog town so right that's another reason why i really enjoyed it because you got that performance out of him that i was i really wish you would have gotten more of from they live but you know that's still a great movie I'm not taking anything away from it right so the this the really the second half of the movie once they hit frog town is I feel like it's a little long-winded in a way. Yeah. Like, they they take very basic ideas and really stretch them out for time. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, he, he wakes up with Arabella. She tries to seduce him. She's a frog lady. He doesn't want any part of it. You know, blah, blah, blah. They come up with a plan to go and, and free the, the captives, yeah. the captive ladies. And in the process... Sam gets captured again, and then Arabella comes to save him, mm-hmm. and she ends up getting killed by Bull. He yeah. Like st- stabbed her with a drill bit or something. Which is like the weirdest weapon to have, but yeah. like, let's, it's fine. But then and Roddy then, turns right around and stabs Bull. He stabs Bull. him. He stabs him with a drill bit and also performs a bit of a body slam maneuver. I did really like drive that. It in. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, so then Spangle is taken to Toadie to do the dance of the three snakes. Right. And that's what, that's like the, the concept that I'm talking about where they, they took this thing and like really fucking stretched it. Mm-hmm. It's like she gets taken away by bull, you know, from right. the, from the bar dropped in with these other wenches mm-hmm. and they, They've got this kind of ritual thing. Hypnotize her, ritual. Yeah. She's put in a dress, like a yeah. flowy white dress, and, and they're they, like draping scarves uh-huh. over her and And like this weird like it's almost like they're trying to arouse her. Yeah. Like make her sexy. Yeah. So that when she does the dance of the three snakes, she will survive it. Uh and, but they really, like I, like I said, they really like just stretch that whole concept out yeah, it's for like, like everything 20 that we minutes. Just, what we ran through there in like one minute is, yeah, like you said, it's just probably 20 to 30 minutes of the movie. Yeah, it's a lot. And it's like, really, there's no need for it to be so long, but it is. And, uh, so like right before the end, um, What's her name? Uh, the the gunner chick. Outside. Sentinella. Sentinella. Uh, Looney. Yeah. Alerts her that shit's about to go down. He shoots a flare up. Right. To let her know that they're going to be escaping soon. And um, and uh, 
Spangle does the dance of the three snakes for Toady. Which, spoiler <laughs> alert, is actually a dance of three penises. That's what, yeah, that's, those are the three snakes. <laughs> it means that he has three penises and they are ready to go. They are. And so Spangle survives the dance because he, she, she uh, arouses Commander Toady. And, and then Sam bursts in and says, eat lead, froggies. Right. And uh, proceeds to save the day. And, yeah, gets uh, gets uh, Spangle out of there and then uh, gets the other girls out of there, too. Yeah. Gets them all out. Yeah. And uh, they... They make it out with the help of Looney, who uh-huh. is wounded in the process. Uh-huh. He ends up dying right. as they're driving away. In the arms of five hot women. Yeah. So, so he he's has, pretty happy. He passes away a happy man. Yeah. He's he's not he's not too sad about it. And um and then they're then they're uh chased by sort of a Mad Max style vehicle. I was gonna say Frogtown. Yeah, I was gonna say it's a very Unlike earlier when the the lady escaped, they do care this time. Right. Because all of them are gone, I guess. Yeah. If you just lose one, it's not that big a deal. But if you lose all the girls, destruction that's happened. So right. So uh, yeah, I just find it. I you know knowing what I know with the budget, even though the budget was increased, you know maybe they just didn't didn't have it because you know they uh, Sam and Spangle and Sentinel all get out. And they, you know, they speed off, and then the Mad Max style chase scene is one other car. That's why I said it's, it's yeah. one vehicle, one vehicle, and f- and like four frogs. Yeah, go after you know these eight people. Yeah, and one of the frogs is is killed pretty in, much in immediately. Yeah. yeah, and and then like eventually they're they're trying to lose them in the rocks and piper's group gets away yeah but then they're cut off by none a other bandit than in a, wielding an rpg and you don't yeah. know who it is at first no he's got this weird robot voice and and shit and they all get out you know and then he reveals himself to be uh what's his name captain sodom <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> count sodom <laughs> Devlin. Yeah, Devlin. Mr. Devlin or Count Sodom, Just take your pick. Comes out of nowhere. I will say I was not expecting Devlin to return. Neither like, was I. At the I wondered who it was gonna be. Yeah. But it was almost like um it's like when there's gonna be a mystery partner on like someone's got a mystery tag team partner on, on Raw or something. Uh huh. And then it ends up being someone that was like already on the show earlier tonight. It's not like a big return or anything. Right. It's just like, oh. It's just. Okay. Yeah. Well, You're just like, well, okay. Right. A little deflating. <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, it's like when when Braun Strowman introduced Brain Strowman <laughs> yeah. as his tag team partner. Yeah. It's kind of like, well. It's not his real tag team partner. It's funny, but I know. That's not who it's really going to be. I know. That's still up in the air. I know. I want but... it to be Alexa Bliss. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Like, I think it would be hilarious. There are... Some people are speculating it's going to be Batista. Oh, really? Oh. Really? <laughs> <laughs> 
I feel like if Braun Strowman runs out with Batista, Sheamus and Cesaro are going to die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would be a badass tag team. Braun Strowman and Batista. That would be unstoppable. And that'll build to an inevitable Braun Strowman versus Batista match. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, man, I just want him to come out as Drax the Destroyer one time. That would be so fucking cool. <laughs> he would get a huge pop if he did that. I'm sure he would. But no Drax the Destroyer, no Batista in this movie. It was just Mr. Sodom. Yeah, just Devlin. So again, didn't really expect him to return, but he is like still pissed at uh, Sam Hell. And he has a he he does like the classic long-winded diatribe that yeah. the the supervillain does at the end of the movie and right. he he tells everyone that uh that uh he's dealing arms to the frogs in exchange for their uranium yeah which they have access to in frog town somehow and he's taking their uranium and giving it to some scientists that he knows <laughs> Who are going to really build talk him, about much. Right. Who are going to build him nuclear bombs. So that he can wipe the sl- slate clean. Yeah. And try and start humanity over again. Yes. One would assume. Because he thinks it's gone awry once more. So He's mad that the women are in charge. Right. Which yeah. is something we hadn't talked about yet. But aside from Piper uh, assaulting, in his eyes, his daughter, he's also mad that there's too many women yeah. In charge. Yeah. Long story short, Piper throws a ninja sword through the guy's chest. Which, like, where the fuck did he get a ninja sword? <laughs> oh no! Why didn't he use it he before? It. He just he, has it. He throws it through the guy's chest yeah. clean. And I love uh, his line after he does it. He he just says, long-winded son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's a good one-liner. Nice and clean. Um, Spangle... Uh, then asks where where Sam is going, and he's running off to face Toady to finish it. To he's finish running it. off to finish Devlin. To finish and then it. Toady comes we, out of nowhere. Right, right, yeah. Toady gets involved after he's right. He because, runs off to finish Devlin. Yeah, um, because he goes. Uh, Devlin is knocked off of like a small cliff when he gets he gets his hand cut off. Right. No. No, Isn't that what happens? No, Devlin. He got Roddy. Or no, I'm remembering goes it wrong. over to yeah. see Devlin. He sees Devlin's body. That's it. That's it. And he's like, whatever. Yeah. And he like starts to walk away, and Devlin rolls over and picks up his RPG and is like ready to shoot Roddy Piper, and uh, and his foot slips in the gravel. That was it. And and. And Roddy turns around and shoots him. Yeah. Like, just like... It's a wonderful fuck up. Yeah, like six-gun style. He's just like, bam! Because he didn't have to really move. No. He could have just rolled over and picked up his RPG and, like, shot a rocket at Piper and it would have been over. Yeah. But he, like, kicks his foot and makes a scraping sound through the dirt. Uh Uh-huh. And then Piper knows immediately what's up. Yeah. And then, so Piper... uh, Turns around and shoots him and then, you know, goes back and as he, uh, you know, is, is coming up with a ridge there, he sees that the car has been destroyed. The car that they all escaped in. Yeah. Has been blown Where to Where he bits. had left all the girls. Yeah, and the girls are gone 
Everybody's gone. Uh, and then Commander Toady rolls up. And Piper tries to shoot an RPG and it doesn't work. And then he tries to shoot his gun and it doesn't work. Uh, and then he and Toady have a face-off. A decent fight. Yeah, <laughs> one could say. It's no John Woo no. segment or anything, but, you know. It's, it's but it's it's all right, and it ends with Toady getting his hand cut off, and he falls off falls off a cliff. Yep. And then, of course, Spangle and Sentinel and all the girls come right out of nowhere. And what do they even do? Do they get in the the Toad truck and drive off? Yeah, do that they? must have been what they got. In. I, they must have been because their car's blown up. Exploded, yeah. <laughs> And uh, Sam tells Spangle he's not on her leash anymore, and then they kiss. Oh yeah, because, because earlier, there's been kind of like a there's been kind of like a what would you call it sexual some, tension some, between yeah, the two exactly. of them. Some tension, some throughout the entire movie. Little tension, little chemistry. Yeah, and then at the end you get the payoff kiss, you know. Right. But then you find out when they're driving away that he's still got some work to do. Yeah, you know. Yeah, there she Spangle. So they're driving away, and Spangle is, like, totally into Piper. Yeah. She's like, yeah, like, I'm down. Let's do it. Yeah. But he has to bang the five fertile girls that they rescued first. Yeah. And she's cool with it. Yeah, she's just like, no, you got to do – this is your contract, man. You have to bang these girls, and then we can go away on holiday. Exactly, because she mentions taking a couple weeks off and then getting away together yeah. after he takes care of his other work right. he's got to do. After he bangs these girls. And it ends with him saying, I guess what they say is true. A, <laughs> a soldier's work, work is, is never done. done. <laughs> so it's a fitting end, and, you know – um, it's quite the movie. Quite the movie. Again, I'm. It's one that uh, that I'm surprised doesn't have a bigger following. Doesn't have more information just like readily available no. online. Doesn't have more. Like I was looking on YouTube after I watched this and and trying to find. I watched a couple other reaction videos or, or reviews. You know. Hoping some people would have more insight that we could talk about. But most of them were just people going over the story itself and that's it. Right. But I, I think that um, – I think we probably have the most in-depth account of this movie probably. in podcast form now. They well, did do one uh, – have you heard of that um, that podcast? Something like How Did It Get Made? That's the interview I was reading with Frakes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, besides that, I, I couldn't find anything else. No, I couldn't that's either. Really giving you much information about this, or even really going in depth as far as like an account of it. Yeah, I would imagine. Um, I you know I have to look at the special features and everything. Uh, but um, Arrow Video does have a Blu-ray release of Hell Comes to Frogtown, and typically they. You know, we'll put some new bonus features and stuff on there. So I'm interested to pick that up and see if there's any sort of behind the scenes or uh, a, a commentary that we could listen to, you know, to uh, to get some more information on the movie. Do you think it was released on beta? I'm not sure. Very well could have been. 
as I ask that, I look over because just earlier today, I picked up not one, but two Betamax players from my local Goodwill. Yeah. I mean, just fucking the coolest looking. I thought they were VHS, just VCRs at first. And then I was like looking closer and it says beta on um, where you would uh, insert the the uh, the tape. The tape. And uh, yeah, I found two beta players at my Goodwill earlier today after having never seen a beta player like in real life. Right. I never had one growing up. I've never just seen one out in the wild before, so it's pretty wild that that they just had two of them. So beta was like what, like a VHS alternative? Yeah, they, it was kind of like how Blu-ray and HD uh, DVD uh-huh. battled, and a lot of people thought beta had a better picture. Really, but I think VHS ended up getting rights to the movies that mattered. Let's uh-huh. say. And that kind of pushed them over the edge, and, and they won. But, yeah, I've never watched a beta tape before, so I'm going to have to find one now and uh, see if yeah, those work. Have, yeah, we're going to have to pick something up. Yeah. So. Um, another thing I saw, uh, an interesting thing that I saw earlier today, was uh, the argument that Mad Max Fury Road is basically a remake of Hell Comes to Frogtown. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, it's funny that you would bring that up because I saw um, there was a, a YouTube uh, video that someone made called Hell Comes to Fury Road <laughs> where they had recut the certain scenes from Hell Comes to Frogtown Uh-huh. And mixed it with the trailer from Fury Road. Right. And so <laughs> it's actually pretty cool. And it makes me it makes me wish that uh, the whole movie would have gotten that treatment. Because they don't just take scenes from Hell Comes to Frogtown. They do the shit that they do in the Mad Max movies that... Uh, what's his name? Who uh, The guy who created those movies... And directs them. God damn it. Why can't I think of his name right now? George. It's not George Miller. It is Miller. Is it Miller? Yeah. I was going to say it's not George Lunkist. <laughs> I was going to say, I kept thinking Frank Miller, and I was like, nope. No, George nope. George Miller. It is George Miller. Where, where he'll like speed certain scenes up. Yeah. You know? And yeah, they yeah, did yeah. that with like footage from Hell Comes to Frogtown, and it looks just like Mad Max. Of course it does. You know? But um, we'll link to that. I've got that here. And I also found a band called Hell Comes to Frogtown Band. <laughs> and they have a song called March of the Fronkies. Oh, my God. Which uh, maybe I'll include a little bit of here so you can enjoy that. <clears throat> Yeah, so. but uh, I was I was skimming this article about how um, in Mad Max Fury Road, you know, the concept is this post-apocalyptic wasteland uh, where, you know, sure, people fight over water and they fight over oil and they fight over goods and things like that, but um, the concept of fighting over people and yeah. fighting over existence was like, you know, something different, you know, and 
yeah. hadn't been like told before or whatever necessarily, you know. I mean, people weren't making a huge deal out of that, but it's not something you saw all the time. It was like if it was an apocalypse, they were looking for water or some shit, right. you know what I mean? Uh so you know, it was talking about how like Fury Road did that as like the 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 fate of the world is like in these women's hands and and so taking and then taking that away and Fury Road so taking that away and it's just like well guess what people Hell Come to Frogtown did that back in the eighties <laughs> yeah. because what is Hell Comes to Frogtown about if not just repopulation and getting fertile women you know all all in the same place so that they can be impregnated yeah and like again I did just sort of skim the uh, article about it because it was it was written and this isn't exactly why but it was written from like like as like a feminist piece yeah but i thought it was interesting i thought that hell comes to frogtown was interesting because i think it had this really oddly strong like feminist message behind it even though the concept of the movie was how many chicks can this dude bang, it was still like behind all that. It was still, well, it doesn't matter unless it's going to continue the population and only women can do that. Right. So I think even though it wasn't quite maybe quite as direct as Fury Road may have made it. I think Hell Comes to Frogtown sort of like really, really like painted women as like the saviors of us all, even though Piper's the hero. Right. Well, of course they, they need each other. Yeah. You know, I think that's a good way of looking at it too. Right. Is that, you know, you've got to have both to do anything yeah. properly, you know? So it's like maybe, maybe males and females should work together. <laughs> right. You know, that might be a good thing to do. Right. So, yeah. But it was very interesting. I think like the movie, you could definitely um, infer a deeper meaning than the movie probably intended or at least seems like it intended at face value right well you make a movie that works on several levels i suppose right if you just want to watch a cheesy 80s action movie with you know some some fight scenes and and some special effects then there you go right or if you're looking for some social commentary if you uh if you dig in a little bit, then you might find it. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, that's that. That's, uh, that's Hell Comes to Frogtown. Sam Hell. 1988. We're looking at a 5.5 out of 10 on IMDb and a 40% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. How do you feel about those? I don't think people appreciate it. Like, as much as they should. That 40% is, like, the diehard fans, you know, being like, no, man, this movie's good. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It, it, could, it could be higher. It's not a perfect movie. 
I like I said. Is you know, there a perfect movie? No. Uh, it's it's just I had you know I was a little. You're sort of taken out of it uh, by the the transitions and like like I said, sort of the like drawn out storytelling of very simple concepts, you know. Um, but again, you have to take into account that it was this guy's first writing, yeah, first outing, uh, writing and producing a whole movie. Um, but I think like it's it's good it's just fun what would you rate it out of 10 out of 10 probably a six out of 10 yeah i mean like i wasn't you know i'm not like for reference what would a seven be for you what's a good seven movie the first predator really a seven yeah Ooh. boy i'd give that at least an eight predator yeah I always liked Alien. So what's an eight for you? Alien? Probably Alien 2. And a nine would be Alien. So Aliens... Eight. Gets an eight. Yeah. What would Alien get? Nine. A nine? Hmm. Okay. Ten? Reservoir Dogs. Is that the only Tarantino movie you'd give a 10 to? Uh, Google. I don't, Google. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'd probably also give a 10 to Death Proof. I agree with you. That's probably my favorite Tarantino movie. Yep. Yep. But I will say this. I have not seen Hateful Eight. And I have not seen uh, Django Unchained. Also amazing. So I can't... I don't know as far as those two go. I've seen the others, but I've not seen those two. I can't believe you haven't seen Django yet. Nope. Never have. Django is excellent. I feel like Django... to be. Django is very ambitious. Yeah. For Tarantino. How about Hateful Eight? Is... Answer me this. Is Kurt Russell... Better in Hateful Eight or in Death Proof? Death Proof. Yeah. Easily. But I think that Django and Hateful Eight obviously are very similar movies, but they're told in very different ways. I feel like Django, while wholly a Tarantino movie, um, is as I said a very ambitious project. It feels more like Inglorious Bastards. It has a large scale to it, uh, and then Hateful Eight um, returns, takes the same sort of concept, the same environment, and pulls it back into that one room, almost almost uh, stage production of a movie. Uh, so you get like like Hateful Eight is Reservoir Dogs in the Old West. Okay. Whereas Django Unchained is similar to Inglorious Bastards in terms of scale and story. But Death Proof, you put... 10, yeah. Death Proof is just... 
not even being a fan of like grindhouse car chase movies, you know Death Proof is exactly what a grindhouse <laughs> car chase movie is. Stuntman Mike. Yeah, just like in every way. I love the girls. I love the conversation. I love like the the one car crash, you know. I love the revenge, like the girls getting revenge. It's just, it's thrilling. I mean, like, uh, the one girl, I know her name's Zoe Bell, being on the hood of the car and knowing that that's a real stunt going on the whole time. It's just a great movie. It's so fun. I mean, one of my favorite lines in any movie ever is when he thinks he's lost them. Yeah. And it's like, Jesus fucking Christ, it's about time. Yeah. <laughs> and then here they come again. You know, just like uh I do. I love after he gets shot, uh, and he's such a baby about it. Yeah. Like, I mean, being shot is sucks. Like yeah. I, I wouldn't know and I hope to never know, but like he's such a baby about it. I love when he pulls off to the side and he's like rocking back and forth, you know? Yeah. And then he just like he goes just like his squeals and whines are so funny and so perfect yeah uh it's just he's great he's absolutely great yeah probably that's that's probably a 10 that and reservoir dogs so that's your 10 and frog towns a six frog towns a six i liked it a lot like i said i think i liked it Almost more than they live. Do you give they live a six? I would. I would probably give they live a six. Yeah, like they're all on the same level, but I enjoyed Frogtown more. Again, I'm like I said to you earlier. I'm excited to see how well Arrow like beefed it up and sort of yeah. watch it again with that sort of that nice uh, remastered feel to it. A nice sheen, yeah. put on top of it. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, I don't like 0.5 ratings, but this, it feels like a 6.5 to me. (laughs) That's how it feels. And then I would say that They Live feels like all things considered history of cinema feels like a seven. Yeah. I feel like giving it a seven. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could not, you could give it a seven just for the, kick ass and chew bubblegum line yeah i feel like yeah and it's like i don't know maybe you're bamboozled into giving something a higher rating than you would to to something else because of the names attached but it's like john carpenter and roddy piper i feel like it it deserves a seven like i, <laughs> I don't know. see i, I just... again i like they live and the concept is neat and i think the aliens are really cool you know but uh i think they live almost suffers from the same fate that Frogtown does where it takes like a very simple thing and just sort of like draws it out forever. Like when they're running through the office building yeah. looking for like what the antenna or something. And it's just like, Oh my God, just find it. Like yeah. when is this movie going to be over? It's taking forever, you know? And like, it takes him forever to get people to like believe. Yeah. I, it's, I don't know. It's just like it is. It sometimes watching they live. It just feels very like 
it feels way too long for what the idea is sometimes. And Frogtown kind of felt like that too. Although I was entertained. I'm entertained by both movies. Me that's too. Just, that's just where I land. I landed a six with them. Okay. That's fine. Agree to disagree. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine, even though you're wrong. It's fine. So, you know, um, there's an, well, most of an hour and a half that you're probably not going to get on frog town anywhere else no so you know if you're a big frog town fan hopefully you enjoyed this and hopefully you'll continue to check in with us and see what we have to talk about in the future yep yep so uh you can you can expect similar casts to this format Mm -hmm. from now on i feel like this was good yeah you know it's like when we felt like going off we did we did and then we came back yeah you know, and it's not always going to be movies. No. It's like maybe we're going to be talking about an album. Right. Um, or uh, what else? A, a graphic novel. A gra- or, a, or, or even like a toy maybe or something, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but where it's kind of like it's, you know, the super divorce, super nostalgia cast. We like to go beyond the wiki here. Yeah. We're like going to try to dig real deep. Yeah. Because I feel like you don't, well, I looked at the Wikipedia page. You don't get your James Cameron story on the Wikipedia page. No, you don't. So, you know, if you want to learn some things, come on by. Yeah. We'll, uh, <laughs> come on by. Stop on by every week and we'll we'll learn you something. Yeah. So, but uh, we're going to continue with the uh, the outro and we'll tell you about where to keep in touch with us and uh, how to keep up on Super Divorce news. Yeah. So please look forward to the outro. Okay. So 91st episode in the bag. Bag. One thing I've been thinking about recently is uh, I feel like we got to do something really cool for the 100th episode. I know. Like we need to have guests. Yeah. Guests, plurals. Guests aplenty. Guests aplenty. Uh, maybe Andrew should be on the 100th episode. I think Andrew should. Um, I think Dale should. Dale, Yeah. Dale should be on. Let's bring Dale on the 100th episode. The 100th episode should just be like a. It should just be like a like a fuck all. We're gonna yeah. bring all these guests on. Just like, complete fuck all. We don't have to, you know. We don't have to like focus on a one thing. Mm-mm. We just just have a a hangout It'll be an ex- sesh extravaganza. Yeah, the 100th episode extravaganza. Get Dale on here. Uh, we'll we'll get Lazarus on here. Yeah, maybe my mom will be on. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to do some cool stuff. Yeah, we'll for episode one hundred. That's coming up soon. Figure something out. So, uh, but this was uh, episode ninety one, and um, hope you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, it was it was good. It's good that we we I'm sure you've noticed because you're all so dedicated to listening <laughs> to our podcast that we took kind of a hiatus. We already talked about it at the beginning. Uh, I guess I forgot that we did that though, because we were recording this outro a long time after that. Yeah, but we're back now. We're starting up again. Here we go. We're getting things kicking and moving. Um, you know, like a baby, mm-hmm. like your wife. I like my wife, <laughs> <laughs> kicking and moving. Um, yeah. So 
like we said in the intro, you can expect more shows similar to this format. Um, and while you're waiting for the next one, which is going to be about hard bodies. <laughs> <laughs> we really should now. We should, we should just do hard, hard bodies, bodies next week. All right. So next week, I think we're going to do um, a whole podcast about hard bodies. Okay. And uh, But until then, make sure to go to our website, www.superdivorceme.com. Check us out on Facebook.com slash SuperDivorce, Instagram at SuperDivorceBand, Twitter at SuperDivorce, and YouTube.com slash SuperDivorce. Um, and subscribe. And subscribe because uh, we've got a cool video that's going to be coming out in a couple weeks-ish. We're filming it uh, tomorrow. I don't know yeah. when you're going to listen to this, but we're filming it tomorrow. Yeah. And uh, if you want to find Nick... On social media, go to any website you can think of and type in at Nicholas Villars. And if you want to find me, I'm I, I think I still have a Twitter, but I never use it. Uh, so just look me up on Instagram at BenderButt. Okay, great. And I uh, hope everyone has a wonderful, wonderful WrestleMania weekend. Oh, yeah. It's WrestleMania coming up. Yep. So, um, Oscar and Shinsuke. Yep. Asuka and Shinsuke. I bought an Asuka shirt yesterday. Did you really? Yep. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, we'll be back next week, and uh, everyone enjoy. Yeah. Bye. Chefs. Super divorce. <laughs>